Hello, hello, and welcome to another hometown daily news show. I am Marwat, and today is April 2nd, 2023, season two, episode 92, a framework for laptops and more news. I've already selected all of the articles for today. We've got 10 of them. We're going to start out with a Florida principal that resigned after falling for a phishing scam from Elon Musk, apparently. Uh, Tesla, by the way, deliveries beat expectations. China sales apparently have uh, boosted those sales. We're going to talk briefly about the Dungeons and Dragons movie. It rolls out 38.5 million in opening weekend. So uh, I guess that's more than a 20. A Norfolk Southern and their push for profits, which is what I've been saying has been the reason for all of this uh, compromise in safety and security of workers has led to what happened in uh, East Palestine. And uh, two were charged with cutting wires, causing 40,000 people to lose internet service. That's kind of like me and uh, being told that coffee is no longer available uh people start to panic swiss prosecutors have opened up an investigation regarding the credit swiss takeover uh framework computers uh, this article says they're not perfect but they're exciting i agree although i think that there's a limit 76 of the top 100 most played games on steam are playable on the steam deck according to an article we'll talk about briefly and uh, the last chance to permanently add Microsoft Office to your PC or Macs is about to end. Uh, I have known about this for a while. We'll talk about it. And I was going to name this whole episode The Quest for Greed. But OPEC oil producers announced a surprise cut in output. Let's get into today's articles. Hello, hello. I am Merwat. That is hometown.com and the AI is taking tonight off. So uh, let's get right into today's articles. Uh, we're running a pretty broad gamut of uh, <laughs> topics today, which is pretty much apropos for uh, hometown daily news show. Uh, just a reminder, we have six main categories and then the podcast category over here, but six main categories and uh, 50 topics within it. Some of them are uh, composite topics uh, like in the news and business side of things uh, hometown daily news show itself it discusses close to 200 news sources um, but we have creative and maker news and business science and education food drink and entertainment uh, society politics and law and gadgets and technology um, they used to be single word topics but i've changed that uh, since uh, starting this and, and doing the news that said, let's get right into it. I am actually, I'm, I'm really, I'm excited about today's topics. So let, let's see what we can talk about here. Um, and I'll go over the articles briefly. I don't go through it word by word or, or um, uh, kind of do a deep dive into anything because I'm encouraging people to go over and check it all out um, at these sources. And you can get to those sources via hometown by clicking on the uh, visit the source link when you follow a link from the show notes or when you're 
uh, navigating hometown. Um, and basically hometown is my hometown and it has everything for you. So if there's something that you think is missing, uh, let the mayor know, just send an email to mayor at hometown.com and uh, I will add, um, the information, whatever it is, if it's a topic that you are interested in and it fits within the 50 channels, I actually have three that are available right now, um, due to, uh, assessing the news, um, three different segments. Cause I want to do 50 shows a week. Ultimately, uh, we've been doing this for 15 months now and, um, actually no, we're coming. This is, this will be our 16th month. Um, and we haven't added any other shows each week yet, uh, but I'm looking for hosts and co-hosts. So if you are interested in being up there or flipping around and me being up there, you know, think of it as a bunk. Um, if you want to be in the top bunk or the bottom bunk, it doesn't matter. Um, I'm game and I'm interested in having a conversation with people, uh, in real time here on Twitch. And by proxy, it goes over to YouTube and also to a podcast. We also have a discord that's called hometown, um, and a Patreon for hometown. Okay. That's enough. Okay. Let's get into it. <laughs> so, um, the very first article for today and, Oh, one more thing. I'm sorry. You can always go to, uh, hometown.showbot.tv and, um, vote on articles, topics that we are uh, talking about here in hometown. So go and check it out. And as always, if you're looking in the chat, thank you very much for coming and hanging out. Really appreciate it. Don't forget to follow and like, and subscribe over on YouTube and, uh, ring the bell. But if you are interested, then you know that hometown daily news show is always doing something at 9 PM Eastern every single day. We haven't missed a day yet, except for one that was planned or actually three or four that were planned last year, which is a real bummer for me. Um, I'm hoping that I won't have to do that again, but, um, I dig doing the show. Okay. Well, anyway, um, this is one of the most absurd things that I've ever seen. Um, but I suppose depending on the sophistication, no, that's not true. There's just no way in hell that this would ever happen. Um, at least on my watch. So a Florida principal has resigned after sending a hundred thousand dollars in school funds to Elon Musk impersonator. So this is over in the, uh, stock marketeers channel, because we talk about business and stocks, um, in general, in a holistic sense, not just the pure technical, uh, trading concepts, but, um, in the holistic sense of what makes a, a good stock, what's going on with the stock and its business. Um, and, um, yeah, it's actually a focused show, but we haven't kicked it off yet. So if you're interested in that kind of stuff, let the mayor know. Okay. And the mayor is me. <laughs> uh, so I go by mayor Watt over on everything on Twitch. Uh, that way I don't kind of, um, represent my show, um, or I should say hometown in other people's channels. And, um, but I'm happy to, uh, encourage you to talk about hometown. That's fine with me. Uh, anyway, so the school's business manager was able to stop the check before it cleared, but quote unquote, scammers have gotten pretty sophisticated according to an expert. So let's go over to where this was, uh, aggregated from. This is uh, from marketwatch.com and, uh, Weston Blasey is the author of this. It says, 
Uh, this took place on April 2nd. Well, the article was posted on April 2nd, so it screams April Fool's Day, but apparently somebody tried to impersonate Elon Musk. Um, and that takes a special quality there. And um, so the principal at a charter high school in Florida recently resigned after sending $100,000 in school funds to Elon to an Elon Musk impersonator. And she's just one of over 3 million online scam complaints over the last five years. Now there's scams and then there's this. So what happened? Dr. Jan McGee was the principal at Burns Science and Technology Char Charter in Oak Hill, Florida, a prestigious school that boasts well above average math and reading test scores. This is again, or according to the article. And uh, she fell for the scam despite warnings from her staff according to a report from the, an NBC affiliate in Florida. When you have to make this statement, I'm a very smart lady, well-educated. I fell for a scam. There's a bigger issue here. So I, nobody should be writing a check for $100,000 without interacting with somebody that can verify the integrity of whatever they're sending that check to. Um, and I've seen it online where somebody does some stupid scam um, on people pre pretending to be somebody um, with a means that they don't have. And it's either a prank or a scam or it's some other thing. Um, and uh, there's sometimes I see that hesitancy in the people. And if you hesitate, then that's your instincts. That's that's you feeling that energy off of this. And um, maybe there was some expectation of a massive return. Anyway, McGee says that she had been talking to someone pretending to be Musk for at least four months before she sent them a check for $100,000 out of the school's account. McGee had been trying to get the Tesla and SpaceX founder involved in, with the school as it's located near Florida's Space Coast, which is known for its proximity to Kennedy Space Center and Cape Canaveral and since SpaceX and Elon Musk and Tesla and Elon Musk, you go to Elon Musk, right? Well, I would never have entertained any type of communication with Elon Musk if I didn't know that it was Elon Musk. You verify this stuff. You And emails just wouldn't cut it. Not if I'm going to be cutting a $100,000 check. So, but what happened uh, to McGee has become all too common according to the article, but that's not really what it's about. If you are falling for a scam, I understand you can fall for a scam, but we're talking about a hundred thousand dollars and we're talking about Elon Musk. So they didn't say just how she was communicating with the uh, Musk impersonator, which I think that they should just divulge this just to see how dumb this was. Um, such as whether it was through phone calls, text, email, or social media. One of the school board members later said that the scammer had promised to give $6 million to the school in the future. But if you have to ask for money, if the, <laughs> the founder, sorry, not the founder. Um, if the, if a billionaire has to ask for a hundred thousand dollars for anything, then you know, it's a scam regardless, right? Um, and just to be sure, Elon Musk didn't found anything. Um, in fact, the things that are going on with, I think the things that are going on with, um, open AI 
is that he's pissed that he couldn't buy his way into management of open AI. Um, like he did with Tesla, um, or leaning on the expertise of engineers when it comes to SpaceX. So anyway, um, so I'm really curious what it was that the person who the person was communicating with and how they were communicating and what the hell was said that could possibly have led to somebody saying, yeah, let's send a hundred thousand dollars to a billionaire so that they promise millions back. This is just stupid. It's pure stupid. Anyway, um, so the article goes into greater detail and, and one of the quotes here is a lot of these scams are putting a new coat of paint on an old scam. Travis Taylor, cybersecurity expert and co-host of What the Hack with Adam Levin uh, podcast told MarketWatch about the rise in online scams. The, this is uh, about being situationally aware and the, what I call clicking with care. You You don't you trust but verify which is an old term um but uh, i use it in tech and social settings um because it is apropos i mean it really does mean something you don't just click on an email or its attachments you you don't just click on a link that gets sent to you, you if it looks hinky um and and day by day i keep thinking maybe i should spin up my my anti-spam mail service again um it was it was very popular but um people need to pay for it uh, i mean it's a a product that's very expensive to run and it needs to be paid for and it, since i didn't pay for stuff by selling data or running ads in the interface it needs to be compensated so and i'm willing to spin it back up um but uh, the risk I'm risk averse now, you know, now that I'm running hometown and, uh, other things, uh, I'm not willing to put, you know, $5,000 a month into servers. Um, at any rate, this, this should never have happened because they should have been, they should have gone through cybersecurity training. They should have recognized when somebody puts pressure on you to send money, to get money, then you know that it's batshit crazy and you shouldn't be doing it. Now, the article goes into, again, continued greater detail. Um, and they have this thing here at the, the very end of the article uh, from the United States. It says United Stated um, Federal Trade Commission has listed four signs that you may be involved in a scam. Scammers pretend to be from an organization you know, say that there's a problem or a prize. They pressure you to act immediately. And they tell you to pay in a specific way. Um, this is all stuff that um, anybody who becomes tech savvy and not everybody is. OK, you may think you are because you have the ability to navigate YouTube or you have the ability to uh, uh, log into TikTok on your phone um, or you even mash the button that turns on a VPN. But that's not tech savvy. Um, you have to be the online equivalent of street smart, um, to avoid these things. And so I encourage you to become situationally aware. Anyway, I'm going to move on to the next article. Um, whoa. Um, this next article is over in the late night geeks channel and it is Tesla Q1 deliveries 
beat expectations as China helps boost sales. Tesla said on Sunday that it delivered 420, I'm around uh, 423,000 electric vehicles, which is about 100,000 short of Toyota um, uh, last quarter. I don't have Toyota's current quarter, but um, 2022 uh, quarter four, I believe. I think anyway, um, it apparently is being bolstered by the China market. Um, it says uh, Tesla doesn't break down the delivery and production numbers by region, but according to data from Chinese uh, China Passenger Car Association, Tesla collectively sold 140,453 China-made vehicles in January and February. Uh, the CPCA hasn't yet published March's data. Um, according to the article. So let's go over to the article at TechCrunch. Rebecca Bellin is the author of this. And um, it's pretty interesting. Um, they break out what it is, Model uh, 3 and Y um, make up the the bulk of it. Um, so 421,000 in production, 412,000 uh, deliveries, and uh, there's a, a lease component to it. Um, and let's see. So Tesla's uh, share price rose 6.24% on Sunday in off trading hours following the automaker's quarterly production and delivery results, which is interesting because I figured that it wouldn't jump that high because people have, for whatever reason, people, <laughs> some trading takes place that starts to amplify the stock price. Uh, before these results even come in um, and it, I'm always curious if it is speculation and there's enough margin in their profits the trade and the, the people that are trading this um, or if there's something else going on what that might be I don't know um, but you know I mean sometimes you just wake up and have a feeling you're gonna have a great day and sometimes you think it's gonna be a bad day and you just you know tuck yourself back in so Maybe that's what that is, um, but it's really interesting that the, the price uh, rose 6.24%. I still think that Tesla is way out of line for what its uh, true value is um, in comparison to every single other company in the um, market, in, in the um, uh, automotive market. But let's move on. Let's keep going through all of this news. Uh, we've got 10 articles. And uh, we're about on track. So uh, this next article is in the continuity report. And it's uh, box office numbers um, from Variety. Dungeons and Dragons rolls $38.5 in opening weekend. I guess that's a riff off of um, the... Uh, idea of rolling dice in Dungeons and Dragons, but I want to see this, uh, this movie, but I don't go to movie theaters anymore. Um, not that I, uh, don't enjoy the idea of a movie theater, but, um, it, movies are really expensive nowadays and I don't want to have to deal with people with their cell phone and all of that kind of stuff. And over the years, you, you basically kind of get burned out on that kind of thing. Um, so I'll invite some people over and we can watch it when um, it drops. We'll see. Um, but I've seen some of the uh, little snippets that have been released, you know, the trailers and, and what people have been talking about it. 
Um, and I dig everything about it. So I hope that in the future, there's more of these Dungeons and Dragons movies at this quality uh, level. Um, anyway, they merged victorious at the box office, rolling 38.5 million from 3,855. So <laughs> interesting. Um, North American uh, theaters in its opening weekend buoyed by positive reviews and enthusiastic word of mouth paramount and e1's adaptation of the popular role-playing game landed on the higher end of expectations of 30 million to 40 million that said what's really interesting about this is what people say about the movie um so rebecca rubin is the author over at variety.com and what people say is that this is actually very true to the 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 rules of Dungeons and Dragons. This movie, Dra uh, Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves, um, uh, apparently is um, pretty true. Uh, I actually just listened to NPR um, yesterday. Yesterday or this morning? I'm not sure anymore. Uh, it's been a long day. And um, they said it there too. It was really fascinating. So... I think that it, everybody's going to love it. If you're into D and D you're going to love this unless you are like just way beyond rules lawyer. Um, and that nobody would ever get out of, um, this or that or whatever it might be, uh, depending on the scene, I'll have to talk about it more. And I think that's, maybe that's what I'll do. The moment that I get a chance to watch this, I, I will kick off the inaugural, um, episode of uh, the continuity report with this movie because this one seems like it would be really fun we can look at the idea of additional movies uh, when um, this one hits a shelf where i can watch it maybe i'll actually go to a movie theater too anyway um john wick chapter four um still it says that honor among thieves emerged victorious over last weekend's champ john wick uh, chapter four at the domestic box office rolling 38.5 million. Um, I can't believe that John wick would fall to that, to dungeons and dragons, but maybe, uh, maybe so, you know, it says internationally dungeons and dragons collected 33 million from 58 markets for a global tally of 71.5 million. The film costs 150 million before its hefty marketing campaign. So I, I think that it's going to be <laughs> um, tough to get higher than that. Inaugural crowds were likely boosted by hardcore D&D players, but analysts believe the film will appeal to a broader audience who may not know that much about the game as it continues its run on the big screen. Well, I hope so. Uh, the thing is that when people hear Dungeons and Dragons, the expectation is that you have to understand the game, um, but that's not really how it is. You can enjoy the story um, if you allow yourself to detach from the idea that it, this is a game and it, you have to understand the game. No, you don't. Um, you can just you can just enjoy the movie. It adds more to it when you understand what's going on. Um, in terms of the longer world building tale of this. Um, so uh, I hope people uh, go and watch it because I would love to see more of these movies. 
Um, additionally, they just to answer my question. John Wick Chapter Four took second place with twenty-eight point two million from the same number of venues. Um, it says a stellar result for its sophomore outing. So I figured that it would gain, it would get more still. Um, after two weeks on the big screen, the action sequel has generated 122.7 million, um, and 245 million globally. And, uh, I, I, I feel like that's really low for something that uh, everybody have been, had been chomping at the bit, uh, to, to really watch. So hopefully it'll be released here to, um, Apple and, uh, Apple movies and I'll be able to get it. I think I have it on pre-order and uh, hopefully I'm really hoping that the Dungeons and Dragons movie lands in Apple uh, movies as well. Okay, so let's move on to the next article. And this one is um, about Norfolk Southern. So it's in the Daily News Show, which is a, a channel on Town, and also here on Twitch and YouTube and everywhere. Um, but it's also you know this show <laughs> norfolk southern's push for profits compromised safety according to workers federal officials are investigating the railroad's safety practices and culture after the derailment in east palestine ohio and worker deaths um, let's go straight over to the new york times uh, that's where this is sourced from and um Peter Avis, Mark Walker, and Niraj Chakshi is the author of this article. And this is that, that same derailment um, in East Palestine, Ohio. If you're looking at the stream or you're watching the video on YouTube, um, this is the, the picture that really embodies what happened with this train. Um, and then they lit it all up. Um, they, to burn off the chemicals and it just became hell right there. And it continues to be, well, anyway, Norfolk Southern once had so few accidents and injuries that it won the rail industry's prestigious E.H. Harriman safety award for 23 years in a row until it was retired in 2012. But in the last decade, the company has gone from industry leader to a laggard. I have been saying that the ever in, the constant refrain of increasing profits quarter after quarter after quarter after quarter is an impossibility. It is uh, akin to physics. You cannot continue doing the same thing. You have to change something to increase profits. And if you can't make your business expand in a functional way, then you start cutting corners and suppressing wages and chipping away at safety or some other corner cutting mechanic in business. That way you can show that you're lowering costs, increasing <clears throat> the profit margin. Um, and for those who aren't paying attention, increasing revenue at the time, they have record profits yet. Now, accident after accident after I think we can barely go a week without some train or other safety related matter uh, coming to bear, not from Norfolk Southern, but from these uh, big transport industries, um, the infrastructure. But this is part of the supplier problem where the suppliers are raising costs and then 
we as consumers are bearing the burden and they're still getting record profits, but the working class, the day-to-day -day working class there, um, they're not getting any of these benefits. They're not getting more money. They're not getting paid more. They're not getting better equipment. They're not getting anything, but the C-suite stockholders, executives, the, the ones that are connected uh, to the core of the business, they are making hand over fist money. Anyway, the rate at which trains are involved in accidents and its workers are, uh, are injured on the job has soared, putting in at or near the bottom on those safety measures among the country's four largest freight railroads. Employees, former workers, some rail experts blame decisions by executives to cut thousands of jobs and put pressure on employees to speed up deliveries in a drive to bolster profits, least of which helped uh, by the administration, the federal government administration saying, no, you can't protest. You have to go back to work. Um, you know, breaking the, um, the protest down and saying, you, you got to go, go to work. Um, but that's what unions are supposed to do. Unions are supposed to equalize a power imbalance. And if they strike, they strike. Um, but it's to send a message to employees and employers that this isn't going to be allowed this is right after the protest right after the strike was basically uh, made impotent by the president saying you you got to go back to work and now I'm, that might be a simplistic view of what the decision was but that is basically what it amounted to you have to go back to work you can't hobble the entire nation well What's hobbling the entire nation is a power imbalance between uh, the consumers and the producers and the producers have uh, aggregated and, and they've merged and acquired into only a few that are producing, which means that they have great power even more so um, than they would have as simple employers. Um, and producers. Now they have more of everything. So they can sit there and say, well, if we shut down, the whole nation shuts down. It's like the baby food issue. One business shuts down one plant and 25 to 50% of the market is removed from the market, allowing prices to shoot through the roof and people to panic and, and, and babies not to be fed. Anyway, Lance Johnson is among the critics. Mr. Johnson I was a Norfolk Southern engineer or train driver in the St. Louis area for over 25 years until he was fired after a dispute in 2021 with his manager about problems with the train's brakes. That July, he said he started a shift at A.O. Smith Rail Yard in Granite City, Illinois, just across uh, the uh, Mississippi River from St. Louis and found that his locomotive had defective brakes. After notifying the supervisor of the problem, Mr. Johnson uh, said that he was told to use the locomotive, even though the defect was in violation of Nor Norfolk Southern regulations and could, he said, make it hard to control the train and even lead to a derailment. Yeah, you stop what you're doing and you fix it. That's exactly what um, <clears throat> immediately came to mind when he said that um, to my mind. But apparently he was told just to make it work. So these workers, and I'm sure the investigation will lead to the same conclusion that what amounts to greed is the reason why safety was compromised because you have to keep on pushing for profits. Um, I was going to title this the push for 
profits makes everyone suffer, but I wanted it to be more positive. So I said a framework for laptops and more news because that's one of the articles um, that I'm interested in. Anyway, let's move on to the next article. Uh, This one popped up pretty uh, late in my review of the news. And um, um, it was originally posted at 1121 uh, AM, uh, today. Uh, but I didn't get to see it until later, uh, in the show or b- right before the show, but I thought it was really interesting because, um, two were charged. This is in the daily news show channel over on hometown. Uh, two were charged with cutting wires, 40,000 people lose internet service. For me, that would, uh, like I said earlier, be akin to somebody saying that we're out of coffee. I would lose my mind. Uh, Connecticut police have charged two people with cutting more than 2,000 fiber optic cables, leaving 40,000 homes and businesses without internet service in the southwest part of the state. I think that's fascinating that 2,000 fiber optic cables um, hobble uh, 40,000 homes. It seems like a low number of internet outage for 2000 fiber optic lines, but, um, I guess it's how they divide it all up. Um, this article is by the associated press over in abcnews.go.com. It's, um, uh, the article takes place in Norwalk, Connecticut, where Connecticut police have charged two people with cutting more than 2000 fiber optic cables, leaving 40,000 homes and businesses without internet service. Um, they said that they arrested Asheville, North Carolina residents, Jillian, they're North Carolina residents and they're in Norwalk, Connecticut. Anyway, residents, Jillian Persons and Austin Gettings on Saturday during a surveillance operation, both were charged with larceny and criminal mischief crimes, as well as interfering with police. Persons also, um, was arrested for giving a false statement to police and they were detained on $200,000 bail. It was not immediately clear if they have lawyers and could respond to the allegations. This is a really short article, but I thought it was interesting um, because of that ratio, 2000 fiber optic cables and 40,000 homes and and businesses. Um, Police said that they responded to the reported damage at the optimum cables or I guess, what is that? That's a weird sentence. Um, on March 24th in Norwalk and quickly identified suspects and their vehicle. Authorities did not release details how they made the identifications. Persons, uh, officers arrested persons while staking out a business in Bridgeport and Gettings was found a short time later in a wooded area in Stratford. Um, oh, but they were from North Carolina, which is really weird. Huh? Anyway, The outages caused by the cable cutting have since been restored, uh, according to Optimum's website, which is a pain. If they really did cut 2000 fiber optic cables, uh, to repair those lines would be a massive time laborious uh, process. Um, but I'm sure that there's somebody out there that's willing to do that. Um, if they can get these fiber optic cables, um, cheaply, then I'm sure that there is somebody that is willing to actually cut these things, recut them, re-terminate them. Um, but man, it's probably easier to just reroute it and run new cables, um, than it is to try and 
splice back together 2000 fiber optic lines those lines by the way um, are like a hair's uh, width in diameter and um, uh, need uh, unique tools a splicing machine um, and to do 2000 of them would probably take I don't know uh, <laughs> hundreds of hours probably to splice it all together sorry for the dead air my brain just wanted to keep on processing that number anyway um, let's keep on moving through the news uh, the next article is in the daily news show as well Swiss prosecutors have opened an investigation into the takeover of Credit Suisse by UBS. Um, they're really interested in what went down. Uh, the takeover has proved highly unpopular in Switzerland with a majority wanting UBS split up. The problem is that the, the stress of the uh, accounts doesn't go away, right? The, the problem is now that what once was a solid bank now has the burden of these higher risk assets. Arguably, I don't know the minutia of this, um, but when a bank closes and another one acquires it, um, those, those uh, burdens that were from the other institution move over to the new one. Um, and although there might be some um, accounting differences, it's still risky to have these other assets embedded in the, st the more stable institution. And that I think is what everybody is kind of uh, up in arms about. So Ryan Hogg over at businessinsider.com talks more about it. And it says here, Swiss prosecutors have launched a probe into UBS takeover of rival Credit Suisse. Uh, Switzerland's federal prosecutor is looking into possible breaches of criminal law. And the takeover has proved highly unpopular in Switzerland with a majority wanting UBS split up. Um, so UBS bought Credit, Credit Suisse for $3.25 billion last month in an emergency rescue deal brokered by regulators following a loss of confidence. Uh, basically, a run on it took place just like um, uh, Silicon Valley Bank uh, to a point, although Silicon Valley Bank was much more exposed. Um, that said, Silicon Valley Bank also had a tremendous amount of um, assets, if not for the concerted effort uh, to pillage the liquidity of Silicon Valley Bank, it would still remain, although the the uh, profit margin to the <laughs> the the greedy people um would be dramatically smaller and they may take their money out <clears throat> at any rate um uh, federal prosecutors office wants to proactively fulfill its mission and responsibility to contribute to a clean Swiss financial center and has set up monitoring in order to take immediate action. If any situation that falls within its field of activity um, presents itself, uh, the group said that there were numerous aspects of events around Credit Suisse that required investigation to identify any crimes. And UBS obviously hasn't responded to anything. Um, and if they were tapped by another institution, uh, to, hey, come and buy us. And then regulatory bodies didn't take any uh, notice of this other than to say, oh, okay, go ahead. There's a bigger issue here. What caused Credit Suisse to actually collapse? Um, and 
you just because these irregularities went unknown, whatever they might be, if there are irregularities, if they didn't go noticed, a crime could still be taking place. Um, so it says combining the two, two banks created a huge institution with a balance sheet of $5.5 trillion or about uh, twice the entire Swiss economy. Um, to put that in perspective, I think the U S is somewhere around $14 trillion. Um, let's see. I know that's how much we are in debt. Um, but anyway, 23, 24 trillion is, uh, the current GDP of the United States. So, um, yeah, at one point we were a little bit higher, but uh, wait, strike that back in 2019, um, we were at 21.38 trillion and then we dipped, um, in 2020, uh, right around the pandemic, it, it negatively impacted us that much. Um, but we have since caught up to the regular trend of our GDP. Um, so you can see just how much this one bank has as the possibility of a strain on um, the entire Swiss economy. If UBS now falters because there's so much wealth tied into it, then uh, the Swiss economy could be uh, hurting. And we know it well here in the US because it's almost like clockwork every 10 years, uh, somebody tries to well, whatever it is, it's weird. Greed just takes over and, and really pushes the limit um, of the economy. 2008, 10 years later again, now again. Um, it, it's just, it's really odd that people are so greedy in the short term. With, But uh, when I get, when I talk to people about it, they simply say, well, that's the nature of the game. But damn it, I didn't sign up for this game. I'm not interested in this game. Um, and I shouldn't be victim to somebody else's bullshit. So anyway, um, the bank is reportedly planning to lay off up to 30% of its workforce following its uh, takeover of Credit Suisse, which is always what happens. There's optimizations and whatnot um, that take place when there's a merger or an acquisition. Um, but let's let me move on. Then the next article is over in uh, the Late Night Geeks channel because of the source, really the Verge. Um, frameworks computers aren't perfect, but they are exciting. Uh, this is according to the Verge, and uh, I agree, but to a point. It says it's not that often that the author gets excited about new laptops these days. Modern laptops are extremely capable devices with a few uh, glaring flaws. They're thin, light, finely tuned, get the job done, exciting. They are not, according to this person. Um, I think that some laptops are pretty amazing, but I do agree on one thing. Frameworks is rather spectacular in that it takes something that had been already in existence, modularity, that basically got phased out by the industry, short of probably the tough books, um, where you could swap out elements of it like um, there's modularity there where you could put in a different battery a bigger battery or take out one module and put in another battery but it's largely the battery aspect of it framework isn't like that 
framework laptops are pretty fascinating um, in that they do what I've always wanted, uh, which is have a fundamental backplane, a, a, a major component that everything attaches to. Um, and or let's just call it what it is a framework so that you can put in additional components so this article is written by dan seifert over at the verge and uh, it says here frameworks approach to laptops has made me nostalgic for the first laptop i ever owned one you've likely never heard of um so it says it's not uh, i won't reread what they said but anyway um says nearly every part of Frameworks laptop can be repaired, replaced, or upgraded by its owner. Want a faster CPU or RAM? Just swap the board and click in some more RAM sticks. And if you're, uh, and you're off to the races. So two plus years into its existence, Framework has already followed through on many of its promises and shown that it's possible to build a modern Svelte laptop that can be fully repaired and upgraded by the end user. Something even giants like Dell have been unable to pull off. No, it's because they don't want to pull it off. They could but they don't want to. Um, why? Because every iteration means that they can sell you an entire device that is maximized for profit, not for retention. So they don't care that the environment is getting crushed by uh, plastic and batteries and uh, electronic components. It all gets shipped off to quote unquote, third world countries for processing. Um, where the environmental concerns are still out the entire world, but it's not in our backyard, so it doesn't matter. And while they try and do some greenwashing of stuff, it's still the fact that they're selling an entire new device. Whereas with Framework, you can uh, simply upgrade, get a bigger battery, change out now the video card as well, a discrete video card. And there's modularity where you can just plug in these little... Um, squares little tiles just slide them in and they lock in place um, there have been historically other laptops that do this so i wonder if this person is going to talk about it let me scroll back up and see if he says something here because they they mentioned that they were feeling nostalgic for their first laptop but um let's see they certainly capable computers for the period oh so they were talking about the excitement I feel for Frameworks products remind me of how uh, they felt about the. This is the author speaking, not me. How the how they feel about the very first laptop they owned, they purchased when they were a senior in high school back in the early 2000s. Most of their peers at the time were getting standard ThinkPads and Dells in preparation for college. Um, they ended up they said okay fine i did have one friend who got a custom sager gaming laptop that was tricked the hell out because that is the kind of crowd that they've always rolled in macs were not on our radar that's interesting um but they still don't say what the name of the laptop was interesting um but not for me is what they say um they wanted something else and um Best Buy short-lived house brand of computer, VPR Matrix. Just as most people outside of the tech nerds have never heard of the framework today, even fewer people were familiar with the Viper Matrix uh, back then. But the handful of desktops and uh, laptops that bore the Viper Matrix brand were ahead of their time, and they were cool. I'm going to nix a word that he says. Anyway, um, so I don't really care about any of this stuff. 
because it doesn't really compare to what the what the framework is other than it had firewire ports and expansion but anyway um the the idea of the matrix or sorry of the framework um is that you can swap out it has modularity and so you can swap out parts and i wish that they would highlight it in this article but they don't really highlight it in the article this is one picture that shows the battery pack being swapped out or um yeah this is the battery pack there's actually a video card um or maybe this is the video card itself yeah this might be the video card sorry i'm old school laptops allow you to swap out the battery the same way that this one is saying that you can swap out the graphics card but i think this is the graphics card uh, module because uh, it says it here you know the upcoming framework laptop 16 will let you swap out its gpu for something newer or faster down the road um true um don't know what the costs of this are yet uh, for the discrete graphics card upgrades but there's hints that it's in the 40 series as well uh, so i'm thinking closer to 1800 to 2000 dollars for this now uh, the module the modularity means that it's a, a much higher cost to get this accomplished um so we will see and uh, i might i might have to I don't think that they're a public company yet. I haven't looked into them, um, but uh, I know that uh, uh, Linus from Linus Tech Tips, uh, he is a, an investor in this and that he wishes that he paid more, or he bought more shares but or invested more, I should say. Anyway, um, I dig it. I suspect that it's going to be price prohibitive, cost prohibitive to make these uh, discrete cards in the 40 series. Uh, but any RTX uh, GPU would be spectacular for a laptop. I still think that it's going to have such a small battery that you're going to barely get two hours of existence out of this. So you're going to have to plug it in. It makes it more like a luggable than it is a true laptop. Um, but again, maybe there's something more to it. And uh, since I don't have one, I don't have a day-to-day -day, uh, understanding of its processes. Um, but we'll see uh, maybe I'll order one and um, switch I mean I've got I use Mac personally but I also have uh, Windows and Linux and um, Android devices and, and um, Windows obviously all over the place but anyway um, I haven't used this laptop and uh, I'm always in the market for one anyway let's move on to the next article and uh, we'll we'll keep an eye on framework the next article um is that it's in warcrafters and it's that 76 of the top 100 most played games on steam are playable on a steam deck so the entire 76 of the 100 most played games on steam are either verified or playable on steam deck which is basically um a switch but a pc version of it um, and you can also put a different operating system on it a milestone that shows developers at least are enthusiastic about valve's handheld gaming pc that probably means things are working out on the players end too if all of these people are seeing the benefit of having uh 76 of the 100 now highlighting vampire survivors as being steam deck compatible is not really that big of a deal at least not to me Jonathan Bolding over at PCGamer.com put the article together and it says um, Steam's top game developers are embracing the deck with a few key exceptions. I still think that the 
power connector to the dock is the dumbest location that it could possibly ever, ever, ever possibly be requiring an umbilical cable to connect to it. So stupid. Anyway, um, it says the Linux gaming blog Boiling Steam first noticed that uh, of the 97 games of the top 100, removing wallpaper engine sound pad and the source SDK base 2007, that 73 of them were Steam Deck playable or verified. The author took this one step further and uh, looked at the next three games to round out that 100. And yep, Squad, Slay the Spire, and Brotato all do just fine on the deck. So they did some empirical journalism. Um, that runs out to a not very smooth 76 out of 100, suspiciously with a, a PC gamer review score. Or it, the way they write is inflective. So, or like in a 19 out of 25, if you prefer the, the that one. So 38 out of 50, either way, the games are rated either verified, meaning Valve thinks they work flawlessly or playable, meaning that they work with one or two caveats. Um, so this is an interesting article. There's a little bit more over there. Um, so go and check it out over at PC Gamer. Um, the next article, though, is uh, last chance to permanently add Microsoft Office to your PC or Mac's program arsenal. My problem with this is I just don't know how long. It says lifetime license, but it's for the one that's installed. I don't know if it's <clears throat> um, always going to be updated. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like uh, receiving, um, y using uh, early access software and then it just stops uh, getting updated. So you have what you bought in early access, but it may not actually go anywhere after a time. Anyway, um, let's go over to the article. It's at entrepreneur.com and it says it's from the entrepreneur store. Treat yourself to a lifetime license while it's on sale. And instead of paying $20 a month um, for uh, Microsoft Office, which is now only going to become known as 365, I think. Um, with Microsoft Office on your side, you'll be better equipped to navigate all of the obstacles that stand in your way. Now through April 3rd, during the spring blowout sale, they've dropped the price for the lifetime license for both Mac and Windows versions to $40. So this is an appeal um, to selling you um, Microsoft Office. But if you don't want to keep on paying for stuff, then that's what you do. Um, you um, buy this lifetime license and uh, it covers Word, Excel, PowerPoint, Outlook, Teams and OneNote, giving you everything that the basic um, package would offer. Uh, depending on where you are and, and uh, what your job title is, this is totally enough. Um, if you need stuff beyond it, then you actually need uh, a more proprietary licensing solution, which is really only doable at the institutional level. Um, at any rate, uh, this seems like it would be fine. So treat yourself to the lifetime license while it's on sale for 85% off its $350 price. So $40. And uh, you have until April 3rd, so tomorrow, right about the time that this gets posted. No, I should be posting it tonight. Um, anyway, good luck all. Okay, the last article for tonight is uh, one about OPEC. And uh, 
just when you think that maybe nothing's going to happen with oil for a little while and it's going to decline in price, OPEC oil producers announced surprise cut in output. The cuts by the OPEC plus group amount to more than 1 million barrels per day and could push prices up. How could they not? Anything that is even remotely a profit taking opportunity means that they can jack prices up. Yeah. Yeah. Supply and demand. Sure. I think that in the long run, the greed leads to alternative energy sources taking over. Hopefully that's exactly what happens, but considering some of these resources have to come from hostile locations. I don't know if this is going to be a win or a lose for all of society. Um, Saudi Arabia, Iraq, and several Gulf states said that they were cutting output to the, uh, to support market stability, which is just bullshit. Um, oil prices soared when Russia invaded Ukraine, but are now back at levels seen before the conflict began. Gee, I wonder why, because they saw the, uh, the conflict as an opportunity to take profits. Nothing else has changed. Nothing has freaking changed for crying out loud yet. Here we are. So high energy and fuel prices last year helped to drive up inflation, the rate at which prices rise, putting pressure on many household finances. And that hasn't changed. The, the producer price index is declined a little bit. No, no, no. Yeah, it's declined a little bit. I think it's flat right now, um, but the CPI is still going up and it's going to continue to go up. Um, interest rates are only where they are right now because the Fed has continued to take massively aggressive actions in setting the base rate so high that if everybody were to continue the acceleration rate that was uh, happening during the pandemic, we would be looking at 12 to 15% uh, inflation um, instead of what it is now, which is basically hobbling the middle class, the working class, um, while making the producers filthy freaking rich with record profits again and again and again. Small businesses and all of you out there that might be sitting there going, well, my business is suffering. Yeah, you don't count. <laughs> um, small business is highly subjective in what it is. Okay. So if you're making less than $5 million as a business, you're a micro business. If you're making less than 25 million a year, you're a small business. And, and these are anecdotal numbers because there is no true hard and fast rule because business size is subjective, right? Um, canoe compared to Tesla canoe is a small business. But Canoe is a massive business compared to uh, Chuck's Automotive, right? So don't take what I'm saying as if this is the absolute hard and fast rule about stuff. But small businesses, if you aren't basically Fortune 500 and Fortune 1000, um, you aren't even being discussed in terms of being impacted by or being the greedy bastard that I'm talking about. You're not, you're being impacted by inflation where you can lose your house because you have to pay a bunch of people and you actually have a moral or ethical compass that says you can't fire 30% of your workforce because you have a board and, um, stakeholders and stockholders that you think are more important than the employees that have been making your freaking business 
what it is. No, you don't count. When you struggle with what I'm saying, you don't count. When you say, well, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. You're the one that I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, you know, if you can sit there and fire 30% of your workforce and still sleep at night, you're the person that I'm talking about being a greedy bastard. So at any rate, um, come and talk to me if you want, you know, I'm here every night, 9 PM Eastern. <coughs> um, I plan on doing this for the foreseeable future. Who knows, um, how long I'll be allowed to do this. Um, but, uh, hometown still persists. And if you go back to the front door of hometown, the, right by the welcome sign into hometown, you mash the button, it'll refresh and give you a whole bunch of news, little snippets. All you have to do is click on any of these, uh, headlines. It'll take you to a page that has something that's provided by the site. Um, and then you read a little bit, maybe it'll pique your curiosity and you'll go over to the site, you know, consider it basically, uh, uh, well, it is what it is. It's a news aggregator. So at any rate, I'm done for tonight. I am Merwat. That is hometown.com. It's there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Let me know if there's anything missing, a source that you think would be fascinating to include, and we can have a, a, a chat about it um, every day, 9 p.m. Eastern. Sorry about the cough. The air is really dry and it's hot here in the office. So. Um, cause apparently hometown can't afford air conditioning for crying out loud. Come on. Um, be sure to follow here on Twitch, go over to YouTube and like, and subscribe and follow me over there. Um, I hope to do, um, streams to a multitude of locations, uh, at least until Twitch tells me that I can't do them simultaneously. I would prefer to do it all on Twitch. Uh, that has been my workflow for, you know, the last 16 months now. Um, but at any rate, I'll see you tomorrow and, uh, thanks for hanging out. Bye-bye.